What if I told you that changing the way you think about school could make you learn like Einstein, be as creative as Picasso, or help you perform under pressure like Kobe? Well, that's what happens when you adopt the growth mindset. In this episode of the Student Performance Podcast, we are uncovering the mental secrets of the all-time greats to help you become the best version of yourself. Let's get into it. Welcome to the Student Performance Podcast, where we dive deep into the science of concepts you never knew had such a big impact on your well-being as a student. My mission is not only to transform your life in the classroom, but help you live a more fulfilled life outside of it as well. All right, everyone. This is an episode I've been wanting to do for a while because so many of you guys out there have trash mindsets. This episode is going to be less sciencey as I'm going to dive deeper into the actual steps you can take to improve the way you think. So as always, feel free to navigate the episodes as you wish as I've timestamped everything in the description. I would also advise you to take some notes during this episode because you can truly apply everything I talk about to your life as a student as soon as possible. You might even have to pause the podcast or reflect on what I'm saying because I'm probably gonna resonate with you and hit some insecurities. But before we get started, be sure to like, subscribe, and turn on those notifications. So in these next 20 minutes, I'm going to illustrate how the view you have for yourself deeply affects the way you lead your life and the potential you have to achieve your goals. We have a tendency in our society to sensationalize effortless talent. Think of child prodigies like Mozart, Magnus Carlsen, or LeBron James. It's honestly easier to look at those people and say, well, they were just born to be great and I was born to be average. But what you don't see is that each of those individuals I just described had a specific mindset that was able to unlock their full potential. A potential that allowed them to become obsessed with their craft and become masters in their fields. My goal by the end of this episode is to share with you the secrets that you can become a master of your own field, whether that's getting straight A's or becoming a world-renowned pickleball player. You never know. So first, I want to start this out with a quote by Alfred Bennett. And if you don't know who young Alfred is, he was the inventor of the IQ test. The quote goes, a few modern philosophers assert that an individual's intelligence is a fixed quantity. A quantity which cannot be increased. We must protest and react against this brutal pessimism. With practice, training, and above all else, method, we can manage to increase our attention, memory, our judgment, and literally to become more intelligent than we were ever before. So basically, the inventor of the IQ test tells you that the way you understand IQ is bullshit. Just because you have a level of competency now does not mean you have to stay that way. You can always improve. So Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck, who wrote this book right here, Mindset, identified two drastically different mindsets of people. The first is called a fixed mindset. And these are people who believe that your abilities are set in stone. They believe you can improve a little bit, but once you hit your genetic limit, that's the best you can basically do. Now, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are thinking that fixed mindset people are the ones who don't have any high goals for their life, but not so fast. This mindset affects talented people just as often. Talented people with fixed mindsets have had their ego stroked their entire lives. They're constantly needing to prove to everyone that they're great. They rather focus on their strengths than their weaknesses. But what happens when they face some adversity or the competition starts to even out? 
They don't know how to deal with failure, so they tend to self-destruct. Think of a talented athlete like John McEnroe throwing a temper tantrum when they don't get their way. So the fixed mindset is usually implanted in your mind by someone else. That could be a friend, family member, teacher, or even the system. When I was in grade school, we had something called the GATE program. And this was a program for the gifted students. The program was well-intentioned. It wanted to give students who were performing well extra support, but it actually did the opposite. It put labels on students who were on both sides of the spectrum. The kids who didn't make it into the GATE program were indirectly labeled stupid by the school, and as we'll talk about later on in the episode, it actually made the smart students dumber. The other mindset Carol Dweck identified was the growth mindset. These are people who believe that your initial talents are only temporary. Just because someone can do something easily with no training doesn't mean you can't catch up or even surpass them with the proper practice. Now, the growth mindset is different than being delusional about your abilities. For example, no matter how hard I train, I'm never going to be as good as LeBron James at basketball. I'm not 6'9", 250 pounds of pure muscle. But if I train hard, I can become a better basketball player than I was yesterday, which is what really counts. And that's what the highest achievers constantly focus on, competing against the person that they were yesterday. Yes, they use outside sources of motivation, but only as a supplementary resource. The high power engine that drives their achievement is their constant pursuit of self-improvement. And how do you do that? You have to evaluate where you are deficient and then work on your weaknesses because that's the only way to get better. Being bad at something is never fun. Receiving criticism, even if it's constructive, is not enjoyable at all. But you have to detach your abilities from your self-worth in order to improve upon them. This is too devastating for fixed mindset people to do. Now let's talk about some research that backs up everything I've been saying. The first being a study about self-esteem and confidence. Researchers wanted to find out how the different kinds of praises affected young adolescents. And what's fascinating was that telling students that they were smart actually made them dumber. Let me explain. Kids were first given 10 questions from a non-verbal IQ test, and they did fairly well on them. On average, they got 8 out of 10 right. The first group were given a fixed mindset compliment and were told, wow, you got 8 out of 10 right. You must be really smart. The second group were given a growth mindset compliment. They were told, wow, you got 8 out of 10 right. You must have really worked hard. As the study progressed, the fixed mindset students started to identify with their ability of being smart and anything that challenged that identity broke them down. When they were given harder problems, they gave up a whole lot more quickly compared to the growth mindset group who identified as hard workers. The growth mindset group actually enjoyed challenges and wanted more of them. At the end of the study, that group that were told that they were smart didn't even think they were smart anymore because they had the mindset of, if I succeed, I'm smart. If I don't, I'm dumb. And when these students were given easier problems, they did worse than when they started because their self-confidence, which was based on a superficial compliment, was broken. Next, researchers observed how 7th graders reacted after receiving a bad test score. The results perfectly illustrate the two mindsets. People in the growth mindset said they would study harder after doing poorly, while the fixed mindset students said they would actually study less. The fixed mindset figured, well, this is as good as I'll ever do, so why try harder? 
In another study, college students who performed poorly on exam had the chance to look at their other classmates' tests. Growth mindset students chose to look at tests from students who did better than them so they could learn from their mistakes, while the fixed mindset students chose to look at the tests from students who did worse to make themselves feel better. In both of the studies I just described, the fixed mindset students tended to lie about their test scores when asked by others, and they had a higher tendency to cheat. How many of you guys do this? No, not cheat, but only look over your good test scores. Trust me, I know the feeling of getting a test back that I did poorly on. It really sucks, and going over it feels like you're just reliving it again. But you aren't going to improve if you just ignore it. So here's some actionable items you can do after a bad test. You shouldn't just go over the test to see what you got wrong, but you should see where you went wrong. What part of your study routine did you struggle with? Were you consistent enough? Did you make sure you were caught up with the material throughout the class, or do you just cram to the last second? What were the testable elements that the teacher focused on? Then I want you to go to the teacher's office hours and ask how you could prepare differently and take that into consideration as well. Going over past quizzes and midterms, like the way I just described, is so important because one, the material throughout the semester builds on each other, and it's so important to have a strong foundation for newly learned material to latch on, but your finals are also cumulative. So the better you learn the information now, the less you'll have to review it later. So speaking about studying, in this next experiment, researchers tracked how the two different mindsets studied throughout the semester. Fixed mindset students tried to memorize everything. They were like a vacuum cleaner. Every slide, note, or textbook they can get their hands on, they try to rote memorize it for the test. If you've been following me for a while, you know this is a terrible way to study, and their test grade showed that. When they got their bad test score back, they just assumed, well, I guess chemistry wasn't for me. How many of you guys in the past, not now, because you're all going to be growth mindset people, but blamed everything under the sun for your shortcomings? John Wooden has a great quote, and it's, you aren't a failure until you start to blame. This is something great to think about. Are you blaming other people for not being where you want to be in your life? This could be your parents, your upbringing, or your circumstances. Things you truly have no control over. Again, these excuses may be valid in holding you back or making the road harder for you to climb, but you don't have any control of it. The one thing you do have control of is your actions what you choose to do every single day. Once you start taking accountability for your life, the sooner you'll gain the power to change it. When the growth mindset students studied, they studied to learn, not ace the tests. They looked for underlying principles throughout the lectures and exams. This allowed them to keep their motivation and interest high, even when their teacher sucked or the material got difficult. Now, I don't want to dive too deep into the study literature because there is a great study course in the description that can help you out with that, but I want you to, as we speak, evaluate your study techniques. When you are studying, are you challenging yourself or are you just reading the book and highlighting? Are you constantly quizzing yourself on the material to make sure that you know it or are you just taking notes and never looking at them again? The question comes down to, are you being busy or are you being productive when you study? So let's give you specific things to focus on based where you are in school. For high school students, you need to take the labels off. I was someone who took a bunch of APs and was always jealous of the smart people in my class who never seemed to study and get good grades. 
This was probably false in the first place, but that's how high school Brent with a comb over thought. So what did I do? Did I work harder to overcome that talent gap? Did I ask them how, what, and when they studied? Nope. Like every other high school student out there, I procrastinated everything to the last minute, but I was still able to get A's because let's face it, everyone gets A's in high school. But eventually you get to college and this type of thinking bites you in the ass. So you need to get into the mindset of focusing on consistency, not intensity. You need to study just a little bit every single day. Studying doesn't mean doing your assignments, homework, or quizzes. Studying could mean reviewing your notes from class, doing practice problems that weren't assigned, or doing some flashcards. If you can study consistently in high school throughout the semester, you're actually going to have more free time to hang out with your friends. For college students, you need to check your perfectionism at the door. When I first work with college students, they wear their perfectionism like a badge of honor. So proud that nothing other than perfect is good enough for them. But let me ask you, knowing what you know now about the growth and fixed mindset, which mindset do you think perfectionists are? Your first instinct might just say growth because perfectionists always want to improve. But that's not it at all. Perfectionism is a fixed mindset because nothing truly is ever good enough. And it's actually a defense mechanism of not being able to deal with failure. Perfectionists take a mistake as a personal vendetta against their worth rather than detaching it from themselves and using it to get better. Brene Brown talks at length about perfectionism, so if you want to learn more about that, definitely check her out. But I see this hold so many students back because perfectionism fills their head with doubt and that paralyzes them from making progress on their shortcomings. So remember, Perfection is the enemy of progress. Graduate students feel like they have to do everything. Am I right? They're given so many projects that they don't know where to start. And once they do start, their supervisor gives them an urgent thing to do. So if this ever happens to you, I want you to do this. Sit your boss down and give them a list of things you have on your plate. Now tell them the new task they just gave you limits your time to work on the other items on your list. Ask them which one is the biggest priority and the one you need to be completed first. This opens up a dialogue between you and your PI. Maybe your boss didn't realize how many things she actually gave you and will delegate those items onto someone else. You'll hopefully have greater clarity into what the true priorities of your workflow should be. Or they'll just be like, I don't know, just figure it out, which has happened to me plenty of times. But at least if you aren't able to complete the task on your boss timeline, it's not coming out of left field and you've spoken to them about it before. Some situations are truly unwinnable and you just have to do your best and accept that it's good enough. Now let's answer some of your guys' questions on mindsets. Again, follow us on Instagram at Pod as I put up a story every week to feature your guys' questions. The first one comes from Nerdomania from Washington, D.C. So be sure to check him out on Instagram. And he asks, how can one overcome doubts as a high-performing person? So I first want to start out by saying that we're all human. Kobe Bryant was human, I'm human, and you're human. And it's only human that we have doubts roaming through our heads. But what separates people is how they use those doubts. Do they let the doubt consume them and allow the negative thoughts to paralyze them from taking action? Or are they honest with themselves about the doubt and then ask for a little bit of help to get them over the edge? Maybe your doubts are actually true. Maybe you're actually bad at a certain skill, but that doesn't mean you have to stay that way. 
Why don't you ask for help from an expert or someone who is better than you and learn from them? I think we have this ill-advised notion that the people who are on top of their field do everything by themselves. But if you look at someone like LeBron James, he spends $2 million on his body every single year, meaning he is paying the best shooting coach, physical therapist, massage therapist, personal trainer, and recovery expert a whole lot of money to help him be the best at what he does. He asks for help because it actually gives him the mental wherewithal to stay focused on the things he is an expert on and to continue to improve. Now, I'm not telling you to spend $2 million, but there is a power of investing a sum of money into yourself every single month to make life easier on you. So to recap, having doubts is normal, but there is a healthy way to metabolize uncertainty. Focus on taking small daily steps to work on whatever your doubt is coming from. If you start to feel too overwhelmed, then ask for help from someone who has been there and done that. There's a pretty big chance they'll tell you that they had similar doubts when they were growing up and then give you advice on how they personally overcame it. Just knowing that people are going through similar things and that you're not the only one who feels like that should make you feel better and less alone. The second question comes from Dario from Texas and he asked, how do you know what you're doing is going to make you successful? If not, what is? Another great question. And the thing about being successful is that everyone's definition is different. Some people, it means making a lot of money. For some, it means being fulfilled, which could mean being a great parent or friend. So I want you to first pause the podcast and write down a one sentence answer of what success means to you. Now, there isn't going to be a secret sauce or everyone will use it. But a good way to think about this is, did you get better today? And how do you know if you got better today? So if you want to be a successful student, you could ask yourself, how much did I study? How was the quality of my studying? Was I focused? Did I put myself in an environment where I wasn't distracted? Did I build upon my previous knowledge by connecting what I didn't know to what I learned yesterday? All these questions are good to ask yourself because as Einstein once said, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. If you get 1% better each day, that's where compound interest comes into play. There's a great book called The Compound Effect that really dives deep into this, but let me explain it quickly. Let's say you start at 100% and you're implementing the principles we talked about this episode and are getting 1% better each day. So tomorrow, you would be at 101%. Then the next day, you would be getting 1% better on 101%. So then you would be at 102.01%. Then you get 1% better on that and so on. If you got 1% better each day for a year with the power of compounding, you would be 3,678% better than you were the year before. That's pretty powerful stuff. So to recap, figure out that one sentence of what being successful means to you. Then highlight three areas in your life that are most important to your success and then try to become 1% better at each of those areas. All right, we sure covered a lot in this episode, but I gave you a lot of actionable protocols to improve your mindset and the steps to dealing with adversity. Like I said in the beginning, I hope you took notes, paused the podcast, and re-listened to certain parts. You might need a day or two for this stuff to really sink in. The first step to changing your life is to change your mindset and the way you view yourself. If you have any other questions, feel free to put them in the comments or DM me on Instagram. So I hope you have a great rest of your day and I'll see you in the next one.